mental health, race, relationships, art, and culture. I'm your host, Barry, some big-brained, headstrong black chick from San Francisco, living as a nomad with lots to say. All I can promise is authenticity. The rest is a jet-set journey. You're listening to Queen and Compass, which means you're doing the right damn thing. Welcome back, my chicken nuggets. If you're vegan or vegetarian, it's not that deep. Don't worry about it. Maybe you're an impossible chicken nugget or a beyond meat chicken nugget. Whatever you may be, you are a chicken nugget today. Anyway, um, if you don't know me, that seems probably kind of a really weird way to introduce the episode, but for many years of my life, I have referred to people as food items. Uh, The most common is potato. It's not about your body shape or your size. It's just like your potato energy. It doesn't even mean couch couch potato because potatoes are very, very versatile. Anyway, I'm not going to go too deep into that. I do want to apologize uh, beforehand. If you hear any background audio, I am recording from Paris. And while things are very quiet here, um, since there's no tourists and there's like no traffic and everything... It's still a city. Things go on. I also happen to live with an Italian. No shade to your people, but you are not the quietest. Okay? And I know people say the same about African Americans, so it's not even a shady thing, but Italians are not the quietest people, so if you hear that in the background, that's what's up. Anyway, today um, I will be discussing a topic that you guys some of you um voted on on my instagram if you don't follow me on instagram you should probably do that for your own visual sake and for like the sake of your sanity because there's some good shit going on there um i will link it below but you can uh, i'll just say it it's also <laughs> it's at the underscore nomad underscore in underscore couture Um, I don't actually wear couture on a daily basis, it may surprise you, but I pretty much deserve to. So, um, yes, I proposed two topics to my followers and friends, uh, one of them being the topic of confidence, which I think will be probably a bigger episode than this one, because there's just so many areas to discuss and I have so many life stories that kind of go along with that. Um, And the other topic was how to mobilize fear. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, Now, by that I mean, how do you take fear, or being in a fearful moment in your life, and use that as motivation? I recently realized that I actually have spent probably the past 10 years of my life in general fear, mostly fear of failure, fear of not knowing what to do next. I'm not talking about immediate physical danger let your brain sort that one out on its own. Our brains have been doing that for a long ass time and it's pretty well figured out. If you are in real danger, start fucking running or start fucking fighting or just take your pants off and scream. It'll confuse them, I promise. Um, I also don't mean the kind of fear that one may experience when viewing the crevices of Donald Trump's face, for example. That's a kind of fear that no podcast can solve. That's just some deep shit that we should all be afraid of. If you're conservative and you find that comment inflammatory, you're probably in the wrong fucking place. Anyway, 
Um, so for me, fear, I'm referring to um, generally fear of progress or fear of change or fear of not doing something. I don't mean general FOMO, which I think is very social media centered. Um, obviously that overlaps a bit. But I mean fear of doing things for yourself, not based on what everyone else is doing. Just fear of, um, like I said, moving forward or change. So for example, this could be moving to a new country, a new place, a new city even. Um, this could be pursuing further education. Um, changes in life stages like having kids or getting married. And that of course goes along with relationships, which I think are probably one of the most fearful things we kind of experience in life because they require something out of our control, which is connecting to another person. And that in itself can be scary for a lot of people. Okay, now, before you fucking salty potatoes come into my inbox saying that I'm just making up definitions of things, I do want to address a scientific definition of fear, which is that fear is an emotion and evolutionary advantage felt by humans and animals, even though I think we're the same because we're all just out here trying to fuck and eat and sleep and be hairy. Um, in response to a perceived threat, it is used to motivate a person or animal into engaging in a behavior that is most likely to allow them to survive. Okay, very primal definition, not exactly what we're talking about, but some very relevant points, such as the fact that they use the word advantage. That's why I believe fear has been very productive for me because I've allowed it to be an advantage through and through. That doesn't mean it's not uncomfortable at times. Of course it is. That's the point. That's the literal point of it is for you to feel discomfort and then do something about it. And that's where I see a lot of people become debilitated. They just experience the fear and then they engage in behavior that... Um, prolongs that fear unnecessarily. Someone might uh, define that as anxiety because anxiety, um, from what I remember in my psych studies, is more based on irrational fear. Um, but I'm not going to talk about that today because I'm not going to try to sit here and tell people not to be anxious in the fucking world that we are living in. You should be anxious. If you're not, you're privileged and you can go sit on the toilet for 17 years and never move and leave us all alone. Okay, anyway, I'm not salty. Um, but the fact that um, the definition includes an advantage and it uses the word to motivate a person, um, to me that is the largest indication that fear is okay. First of all, whether you agree with me or not, it's just a fact. Fear is okay because it happens, okay? It just happens. That's the way our brains work. It's there for a reason. Um, but the reason I think it's okay is because it usually means that a change is coming. Um, sometimes you don't have control of what that change is, but oftentimes you do have control about how you feel about that change. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on more today. Um, so for me, when I experience fear, when I know that I'm in a fearful situation, I usually ask myself a few questions, one of them being, am I in danger? Usually the answer is no. Um, 
If it is, obviously that's again a different kind of situation that we're probably not talking about today. But the reality is I'm not in danger, I'm just um, I'm unwilling to accept the fact that the outcome could be uncomfortable or inconvenient, not actually dangerous. So taking moving to a new place again, for example. Um, is it inherently dangerous to move to Paris? Not really. I mean, of course, there's all the nuances of what neighborhood and him, 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 is a French person going to hit you in the head with a baguette? Very likely. But like real danger? Probably not. Is it going to be inconvenient and uncomfortable? Probably. Is it going to be difficult? Am I going to probably cry a lot and feel isolated and all the kinds of things that come with moving to a new place? Absolutely. But is that real danger? No. Usually that's the answer is no, it's not real danger, which is what prompts me in most of my life experiences to continue to move forward. Um, I also like to ask myself what kind of outcomes, positive outcomes will come from this if I choose to move forward and conquer the fear or even just address it head on. Um, and that's usually, you know, the answer to that is obviously very different depending on the situation. But in my experience, um, the answer to that question, the answer to what are positive outcomes are what motivate me to move forward regardless of the negative feelings that I'm having about the decision that I need to make. So I've just kind of addressed the emotion itself so far, but if we want to discuss the larger question, which is how to utilize fear and how to mobilize it into something productive, um, in my experience, that has required making a decision. So sure, I mean, anybody is entitled to their, their, uh, their right to wallow in fear and to sit in that and to never move past it. That's up to you. I'm going to be over here jet setting and being scared in the meantime because it's working out for me. Um, so yeah, decision making, that's something that has to be done if, if I, I've realized if I want to grow from experience and grow from my negative feelings in general. So I tend to ask myself a few more questions. One of them being, what is holding me back? Because sometimes when you find the real answer to this question, you'll realize that it's not um, always easy to discern what it is that you're actually afraid of. Um, so, for example, there are some very co concrete things that are, are um, barriers to being able to achieve what I want to achieve. Sometimes it's financial, for example. Is it finance holding me back? Okay, that's a valid reason to not go buy an island. Go figure. Um, the next question, though, that I ask myself is, what's the worst that could happen? This one I really hate answering because, one, my mind is very imaginative. Of course, don't go overboard. Don't be silly, regardless of how much fiction you consume, because that just leads to anxiety and spiraling. However, I have learned that in general, the answer to what's the worst that could happen is not the end of the world, but it's something inconvenient that I just don't want to deal with. 
So I'll take an example, a very recent one, literally just overcame it a few days ago. Some of you may know that I spent the month of July in Andalusia, Spain, exploring the region. Um, this is during COVID lockdowns still, in case you're listening to this in the future, which you should be, especially if you're an alien studying humankind. Um, my fear was that I was not going to be let back into France um, because my French residence visa had expired. So I was basically just visa-less with an American passport, which is not so popular at the moment. Now, asking myself, the, the fear, the first question is, what's holding me back? That's not relevant because in this case, it's the government, it's the border control, something out of my hands. But asking myself, what's the worst that could happen? Okay, the worst that would happen would be I'm rejected from entering the Fre Fre uh, passing the French border. I have to go back to the United States, living in San Francisco with my mom and my cat, where I'm comfortable. Of course, I don't want to be in the United States right now, and I don't want to take a long flight. But if that's the worst that can happen, I think I'm pretty lucky in that case. So that's kind of how I had to reframe my mindset. I needed to reframe myself, reframe my situation away from anxiety because the anxiety was saying, oh my God, you're not going to be able to go see your stuff. You can't go and fucking walk the streets of Paris. You're not going to be able to go look at old buildings and eat baguettes and go to the fish market and all of the things that I enjoy doing. But like, those are not the end of the world if I can't do them right now. Um, so in reality, the answer to that was, what's the worst that could happen? that you'll be inconvenienced, that I'll be inconvenienced, I'm trying to speak for myself, sorry. Um, but that wouldn't mean the end of my career, the end of my plans. It would just mean postponing them more. And again, it's 2020, so we should all be used to postponing our whole lives because that's basically what's going on. A lot of times the answer to this question specifically is simply something you don't want to hear and you don't want to reconcile with but it's usually not as bad as it seems of course i'm speaking from a place of privilege because i do have somewhere to go back to in the united states i do have a bedroom still in san francisco i have the finances to get back to the united states all of those things so i understand that it's of course case by case but it was not easy spending the month in Spain with the fear that I could be kicked out of the country where my life essentially exists. Um, now, not pertaining to this situation, but a few other questions that I recommend asking that I have asked myself in the past is one, if things remained as they are, how would I feel? very important um, that's basically just a way to address the fact that if you don't confront something things are going to just stay the same which isn't always bad but you have to accept that you're not going to have the kind of growth and progress that you would have if you decided to um, confront the fear um, another question is how would i feel afterward if i took action against what I fear or had the conversation that I fear, whatever it is. Um, and I think with this one, a lot of people 
would expect the immediate answer to be relief, but in my experience, that's not the case. Um, it's usually that you overcome something and then you find a whole plethora of other things to be fearful of. But that's just kind of life, man. Like, I don't think that's enough of a deterrent either to shy away from doing something. So before this just becomes a complete like self-help sounding episode, I do want to give some examples from my life experiences of when I've been fearful and used that to mobilize. Um, I'll take my master's degree program for example. If you listen to the first episode, you might recall that I did a two-year master's degree program in Paris um, with a de degree in fashion design and luxury management. So for the second year of the program, I was required to do research, complete my thesis, and um, the ideal situation was to take an internship as well while you're completing the research. Um, I had spent probably about six months applying for jobs, or just for internships in Paris, I didn't get a single fucking interview. Zero. Partially because I don't speak French well at all, but also because I think HR managers are sometimes full of shit. So my fear was, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get an internship, therefore I can't do my research and I'm not going to graduate after literally spending tens of thousands of euro on this degree. So instead of staying in Paris and spending months and months and months further trying to find an internship that I probably wouldn't be happy in, I decided to take that opportunity to move to Italy instead. Now, I had already lived in Italy before, however I had never done so just like on my own free basis without an end to the timeline or whatever it is. Um, I had never just kind of jumped into moving anywhere without a real structure. But I knew that Italy was somewhere that made me comfortable. I knew that um, I would have better chances of finding an internship because I speak Italian much better than I speak French. And I knew it was a place that made my soul happy. So I took the fear, essentially, of not graduating and mobilized that into a gorgeous chapter of my life. I ended up moving to Florence. I took an internship in buying and merchandising uh, for luxury goods. And uh, I was already in a relationship at the time, so really the only inconvenience about it was being in a long distance situation. But besides that, like I got to live in fucking Florence, Italy. I was also taking uh, Italian lessons at the same time to get better. Um, and I had a lot of free time, you know? I spent most of my days walking along the river, smoking a lot of weed with my weed guy, who's an excellent person, and just wandering around this literally ancient city. And that was all because I was too afraid to stay in France and not graduate. Um, so I reframed the situation, found a solution, which is I still do my research, I still do my internship, and on top of that I get to do things I actually love and I still get to graduate. Done. Fucking period. That's just one example. 
Trying to think of other examples. Give me a moment. Okay, got it. Um, again, if you listen to the first episode, you may have remembered that I mentioned a friendly French fellow called the Baguette. I say that sarcastically. The, the friendly part. He definitely is a Baguette. That's not sarcasm. Um, we went through a really shitty, shitty, shitty breakup. Definitely one of the worst I've ever had in my life. And I, I don't recommend this for everyone because sometimes this can turn into toxic behavior like within yourself. But I essentially, as our relationship was ending, was afraid of being in Paris, a city which, uh, frankly, I have a lot of hard time with, a, a lot of uh, unresolved feelings. Um, I was afraid of being there without companionship. Of course, I had the people from my degree, but that's like platonic, they're friends, even though there's some gorgeous girls in there, and I would, I might tap that. Um, I was afraid of allowing myself to go into my heartbreak mode. And I'm someone who doesn't date very often. So when I do, it's a real commitment. Like I'm here to do it. Like, let's be real about this. Let's commit. And as that was ending, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be again in Paris, single, wandering around. I lived alone at the time. So there was no one to hold me accountable. I could literally, between classes, sit there for three or four days probably and not go outside just eating sleeping crying smoking way more than my wallet could manage at the time and i i knew myself so going back to the relationship thing since i take relationships very seriously and they're very rare for me when they end my heartbreak is very heavy um it's literally like i'm in a movie just sobbing for hours and I just knew I didn't have time for that. I was close to completing the first portion of the degree. Again, like people had invested lots of money for me to be there. I was in a really nice apartment at the time, you know, living the life on paper that literally millions of people would probably kill for. So I essentially took the fear of being alone in a city that I already struggle with. And I got my ass a new man. Okay, I know that's not always simple. But I basically was given some spiritual advice to find a man for the summer just to have fun with, to take my mind off of things. And we're still in a relationship two and a half years later. So for me, that was not the fear of um, necessarily being single, but the fear of allowing, uh, the, the fear of prolonging my heartbreak the fear of how that manifests for me because I know that it's very negative and very heavy. So in that case, it was kind of a strange instance because I was using fear of a negative emotion, which is normally not myself, to move forward. Um, I know in past posts on social media and maybe in the last episode, I can't remember, but I had mentioned that I don't really shy away from negative emotions and that I tend to try to coexist with them. But heartbreak is one that I have not reconciled with because I haven't experienced it very much. And it's really, really heavy, like I said, when I do. So as of this moment, I'm still afraid of heartbreak. And it's something that I will do my best to avoid. I, again, don't recommend that for everyone. Sometimes you need to ponder a relationship after it's ended 
understand what went wrong, understand where your growth has been, where you need to keep growing, all of those things. But there's also this rhetoric that you have to be alone and like sit in your sadness after heartbreak and blah 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 when sometimes you just need to get another dick or pussy or whatever you're into and it helped it saved everything i mean i was so devastated at the end of that relationship that i probably almost considered quitting my degree which is again not very much like me when i say it in retrospect but um in a way, I'm glad that I'm fearful of heartbreak. I'm not fearful of going into relationships and having them end. I'm just fearful of um, that feeling of immediate loneliness when a relationship ends. And in this case, it worked to my advantage because now here I am. So that's another like very opposite example um, of when I used my fear of something to make it into something productive. Um, now I know finding a new relationship for some people is not a victory, it's not a way to overcome fear, but for me, um, knowing that I'm someone who's actually not very social, especially when it comes to men, like I just have no time, no offense, cisgendered men, like no, just go away from me, um, that in itself took a challenge, like it was a challenge to open up, to go on a dating app, to set my boundaries, take the time and make myself go out on a date if someone asks me to do that, um, because that's not in my nature. So that was me taking on the fear. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to be lazy and go on Tinder and find some dick and then be sad after that. It was, I'm going to challenge myself to go be social, to be myself, to set my boundaries, to set my standards, and it ended up working. So. Not only did I overcome something, but I also pushed myself and challenged myself um, to approach relationships in a way that I never had before. And now I'm, you know, like I said, several years into my most mature and productive relationship, if you want to call it that. Okay, I have one more example. Um, I had to ponder on this one for a bit. But um, another semi-educational example. So I lived in New York for two years before I decided I needed a break. Um, coming from San Francisco, I was just used to <laughs> generally nicer people who don't yell at you and call you a cunt on the street for walking, basically. And people, like, I, I just wasn't used to it. it it's in a very abrasive city. It's rough, um, it's tough. I felt myself like jaw clenched all the time, just really aggressive. And when people are yelling things at you, like every time you go outside, you start to do it back. And that was not the kind of person I wanted to be. Also, New York City lacks trees on a major level. Don't try to tell me, oh, there's Central Park. Yes, bitch, I know, I've been there, okay? But when you come from somewhere like San Francisco, where you can see almost untouched nature within, you know, a 20, 10, 15, 20 minute walk of where I live, it just wasn't healthy for my balls, okay? My balls were sweating, they were sagging, they were unhappy. So I had to do something to rehabilitate my balls. So that's when I took my year abroad. Now, I wasn't just, I'm not just saying this about New York to complain. 
Um, but New York was really draining me. It was making me sad and, like I said, aggressive, which I had never really been before, and I think some of that has never gone away. Um, so I knew I needed a change. So it was really my fear of going into a depression that was out of my control that made me take the leap to study abroad. Um, not for the first time, but for the most serious time. So I, I use this, this terminology specifically. I say fear of depression that's out of my control. I understand that depression is oftentimes a chemical thing. I am no stranger to depression. I live with it every single day of my life. However, a lot of it is still in my control. But I did not like being in a city where I could not escape and having that be the cause of my depression. Um, you know, I, I was there to finish a degree. I, again, there was money invested. I felt the pressure of I have to complete the degree. That part is non-negotiable. But then I started to think, okay, but how can I do that in a way where I don't let a city destroy me? Because to me, that's not the kind of defeat I accept. Like, I'm not going to let literally a fucking city that I have dreamed about going to, that people all over the world dream about living in, destroy my fucking soul. So instead, I left. But of course, that didn't mean giving up on what the main goal was, which was, again, to complete the degree. So that prompted me, that year I ended up going to Verona for the summer to study Italian and English literature, Shakespeare. Immediately after that I spent like a month in San Francisco and then I was off to the UK to London um, at King's College, which was again some of the best, best months of my entire life still. And then immediately after that I came to Paris for the first time to study. So in those moments, like, if, if I hadn't been fearful of what New York City was doing to me and doing to my soul and to my mental health and to my relationships, I would not have probably taken that leap because I didn't really have the travel bug so strongly yet. I had already been abroad for the summer to Oxford by this point, but that was many, many years before this. So it's, um, might seem like a cliche example, but it was really the truth. I was afraid of New York. I had fear. So I did something about it without abandoning my mission. And it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So yeah, that's what's up. I went back to New York for my senior year, knowing that I could manage, knowing what I was going back into. And it ended up being fine. I completed the mission, quote unquote. I got the degree. And I celebrated it by going to fucking Thailand, which is also a scary thing in itself for, you know, going to Asia for the first time. It's a different world. I don't mean that in a patronizing way. I mean it in the best way possible because they are doing all kinds of things correctly over there that the rest of this Eurocentric, American-centric bullshit world refuses to accept and catch on to. So those are three examples of when I have used uh, fear to my advantage and used it to literally rewrite my life story. And all three of those things have contributed directly to the life that I live right this moment, which I'm proud of because they were not easy decisions to make, especially being that young, 
uh, being literally at a point in our development where the brain is not good at decision making. Um, so for me, like, I feel proud that I was fearful, but not only that, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I had already had the skill set to address fear, to identify it first of all, and then choose to confront it in a way that didn't derail my life completely. Um, because without joking, like, there are times, I know my personality, there are times when I think it would be so much easier for me to just start fucking doing drugs and fall off the, you know, fall off the train and just let the sorrow overtake me. Um, but instead I did those awesome things like moving to Italy and studying abroad and finding a better D than the, than the baguette. Sometimes you got to take the salami instead of the baguette, you know? So, yeah. So, this is not just story time, though, because I do want people to get something out of this to a degree. Um, just addressing those three kind of examples, I say what works for me so far is not letting fear paralyze myself paralyze me. I don't know why I said that. Um, for too long. I definitely am someone who <laughs> that big booty is shaking that chair. Um, I'm not someone who's going to sit here and tell anybody to avoid wallowing in their fears and their sorrows. I love it, frankly. I love having an excuse to be a grumpy motherfucker. I love having an excuse to watch 17,000 episodes of 90 Day Fiance in a row and start new Real Housewives franchises, as if I haven't seen majority of them already. I love that, going to Trader Joe's, eating all the snacks, not getting any of the healthy stuff. Like, just being an ultimate real deep potato, not even out of the fryer kind of potato, like just a sad potato sitting in the window ready to sprout. I enjoy that. I don't enjoy the feelings that come along with it, but I love having an excuse to be stagnant. So I know myself that if I'm fearful or something, of something, that I will let it paralyze me and stagnate me for a long ass time. It could go on for like a month or two. So for me, I have to set limits. I have to first of all allow myself to be fearful and paralyzed on a very deep level and then come up with an action plan. But I also need to oftentimes remind myself that the victory um, doesn't always look like a, yay, there's a finish line, I did it. Like, for example, moving to Paris, it's not like, oh, once you touch down at Charles de Gaulle, you're like, oh, I've done it, I've made it. No, the next thing is, now what the fuck do I do? But the victory was in the fact that I confronted the fear, for in this case, confronted the fear of New York City, and then I did something about it. That was the victory. Not necessarily what I chose to do, but the fact that I confronted it, removed myself from the situation, and did something that was better for myself. That is the victory. Um, so I, I like to warn people in general that it's not always like there's one finite finish line. Sometimes just the change in scenery, the the... Um, choice of making a decision itself is the victory a lot of times. Um, also, I've had to learn very much how to minimize my anxiety around these kinds of situations by focusing on what I can actually control. I know this is like typical therapist talk, but it's fucking true. 
I mean, I'm not, again, going to tell anyone they can't be anxious, but, like, focusing on the aspects that I can control, which was, in again, going back to New York City, the case was I can control where I do my studies, but in that moment I felt like I could not control the fact that I needed to study, that I needed to complete the degree. That was on the table already. It was paid for. I'm, you know, three-quarters of the way through at this point. I can't control the fact that I'm in the middle of a bachelor's degree, but I can control the fact, or control the destination of where I complete that education. So, a bit repetitive, but just want to emphasize. Um, I know this one's not, that's not always easy, and, and again, sometimes you can't control very much at all. But usually you can control more of it, more of the situation than you initially realize. And I've learned over the years how to identify those things and how to take advantage and amplify the things that I can control. Um, lastly, I would say I've definitely learned how to coexist with my fear. Again, this goes back to my kind of overall philosophy on not trying to get rid of bad emotions, but just trying to manage them, coexist with them, make them useful and productive for you or for myself. Um, and rather than avoiding fear indefinitely, because that just doesn't work. It's a human emotion. It's going to happen. You will just create more anxiety if you try to avoid fear indefinitely. You have to, have to, have to. If you want to have growth in this life, you have to learn how to reconcile with negative emotions and grow from it. It, it has to be done. I mean, if you want to be stagnant and live your life like a sad potato forever, that's fine. But... If you don't want to do that, like me, knowing that we have to be here in this shitty fucking world for as long as we're destined to be here, might as well do our best and learn to mobilize these things instead of letting them overtake us to the point of, you know, destroying us. Um, and I just want to kind of wrap it up by addressing the fact that I understand everyone has a different threshold for pain, for discomfort, for fear, for anxiety. This is just, again, from my point of view, my experiences. But I've learned that I also have to take my safe zones. First of all, address when the safe zone is too safe. Because when it's too safe, it again leads to stagnation. So taking that safe zone and making it a bit unsafe, step by step by step. And that's kind of what I've learned to do. I'm very rarely fully comfortable in my existence, in wherever I am in the world, whatever I'm doing. So my comfort zone is comfortable enough that at the end of the day I come home, I'm content with who I am, what I've achieved. I'm probably high, I'm probably naked, doing things I enjoy. But knowing that the next step of whatever I have on my plate or whatever I have planned has to be something that pushes me a little bit. That doesn't always have to be something huge, though. Um, like for me, again, living in Paris, sometimes it's uncomfortable to go outside. So, of course, I could create a comfort zone where I sit in my apartment all day for weeks and only going to the grocery store. But sometimes for me, that challenge is, okay, today you need to go outside and take a walk and confront the fact that there are people outside that speak a different language than you, people that are going to stare at you, blah, blah, blah. 
that's not a detrimental, you know, um, up, what's the word? It's not flipping my world upside down by going to take a walk, but it is making myself uncomfortable enough doing that over and over to the point where I finally grow. And that's just a, a small, maybe strange example for someone who doesn't really understand what it's like to live somewhere like Paris. But um, it's just an example of the general rule of taking your safe zone and making it slightly unsafe. Um, I found that this is generally easier when you're the one controlling what makes you feel unsafe. So instead of like filling that uh, safe space with people that make you feel unsafe, because that's not the goal at all. That's detrimental to your to your mental health and to your your fucking spirit or whatever. So it's it's about addressing the unsafeness and then introducing your own version of uh, slight discomfort. And that equals growth, my friends. Um, I don't really have that much more to say. Um, obviously, I will try to release episodes more often than this. But as you know, I was traveling in España. Um, cool thing happened, though. I do want to shout out. I was featured in Red Hot Monde magazine uh, with an essay about my life. It's pretty much what I went over in the first episode, but it's cool to see it in writing. So again, go to my Instagram, which is at the underscore nomad underscore in underscore couture, the nomad in couture. Um, and go check out that feature. Follow me because that's a cool thing to do. It's really good for your health to be following me, I promise. But yeah, um, thanks for tuning in. I should probably just say goodbye because this is already at like 40-something minutes and I told myself I wanted to keep them 30 minutes, but I'm a chatty motherfucker, so that's that. I promise, I promise it'll get more fun, but this is what you guys voted for. He wanted this episode, so I did it and I think it's an important topic. And happy masturbation, happy food consuming, happy 90-day fiancéing happy twerking, whatever it is that fills your heart with glee. Thank you.